a nice little target area here on the yellow that we're trying to hit with our shoulder. So same principle from our clean out, nice and low, sight the target area, hit down, chase through when you're ready. Hi guys, today I was joined on the podcast by Laurie Fisher. Laurie is the current forward coach of the Brumbies in Australia. Before that, he has been head coach of the Brumbies Academy. He was Australian under-21s head coach. He's been Brumbies head coach. He was Munster forwards coach. And he was also Gloucester rugby head coach. He's coached players like Paul O'Connell, David Pocock, Ronan O'Gara, and many more of the greats. There's so much to take from this podcast, but we speak at the end about where he thinks rugby's headed and what makes players world-class at the breakdown, so stick around for that. Enjoy. I originally found out about you, and I think a lot of people do, through your um, all the posts you do on Instagram, which are so helpful for coaches. So I want to ask, why why did you do that? Uh, it, just I found it uh, as a way of giving back. Like, I'm, I'm getting to the back end of my coaching career, and... Um, uh, I mean, you don't get the same, you, you know, you don't travel as much as you used to. So I thought, like, what, what better way to give back to particularly to, to junior and club coaches and just posting, like sending message of simplicity and, and just posting simple drills that can be done at all levels of rugby uh, that, that people see that are done at the professional levels. So it's, it's not anything not anything particularly brilliant or grandiose, but it's simple things done well, appropriate across all uh, male and female and all age levels and um, it's uh, so just to try and, and give back and encourage the growth of rugby union. Yeah, I like that. A lot of them are breakdown drills which I haven't seen before. So where do you come up with all, like, do you invent most of these drills or do you take them from other coaches? No, I sort of just invent them. I mean, g- generally I, I um, yeah, like obviously watch uh, in the fortunate position of watching a lot of rugby and and as I watch, yeah, I, I yeah, look at circumstances that happen in a game and then and then uh and think of ways of replicating uh those circumstances in training and and then you know, trying to vary intensities uh you know, t- take out the contact uh, t- contact element of it so that it is appropriate to all age levels and then just yeah you know, let, let your mind wander a bit of experimentation and uh and see what you come up with nice you've been you've been coaching for quite a long time now yeah, look, I, I finished playing in 1992, started coaching my club team, second grade in 93, coached first grade for a few years. I started coaching professionally in 2000, so I'm in my, my 23rd season of professional coaching. So it's been an amazing ride and I've been uh, blessed to be in the game for so long. But, uh, yeah, it's been a, a long but uh, enjoyable journey. Have you, have you always enjoyed it? Oh, I, look, I enjoy every day. Every every day, like I'm, I'm a school teacher by trade, uh, PE teacher. So I, I did that for ten years. But uh, working in an environment where everybody is motivated to succeed, like not everybody's not not everybody's uh, uh, yeah rosy every day, but everybody's motivated to succeed. So to be working with a group of people on and off the field. Uh, in, in in that environment is amazingly rewarding and then feeling you know seeing that you can contribute in a positive way to uh, players becoming better players players becoming better people is immensely rewarding so there, there wouldn't be a day that I, that I uh, don't look forward to going to work and uh, and just doing my thing yeah a lot of coaches are teachers as well. Like, is there merit in that? Oh, I, th- I think there's 
I, I think it provides a, a really good groundwork for you. Uh, if I reflect back on, you know, just on, on, on managing groups of people, so you, you know, back when I started teaching, you might have, you, you know, class size of 32, so 32 12-year-olds, they, uh, some of them want to be there, some don't, <laughs> some don't want to be there, some have had a bad day, some are having a good day, but the ability to, uh, to uh, manage a group of people, to, um, I guess, to be able to keep your eyes on everybody at once, so that's important, but as a PE teacher primarily, just, again, just in, in things like um, uh, drill design, I think it's been really, really important, really helpful for me terms of designing drills like like one of the one of the important things about being a PE teacher is, you, is you've got to make it inclusive and you're trying to encourage everybody to have an enjoyment not necessarily playing rugby or tennis or whatever but having an enjoyment of physical activity so you're constantly trying to find ways like there's, there's plenty of kids who don't enjoy it but you try to you're trying to 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 find some sort of a quality in and make and and the best you can do is 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 uh, you know, when he, when a kid finishes school, they might think back fondly and say, "Oh well, gee, I like going to the gym now, or I like going for a run, or I, I played tennis, and I was really influenced by you know, Mr. Fisher back in the day. I, he was great. He, he encouraged me to, to to be involved, and he gave me an opportunity in a maybe in a, a non-threatening and not too competitive environment. So I think those things uh, stand you in good stead uh, when you get into coaching. Yeah. A lot of young coaches, I think, don't have that. And I think a lot of the time, it's not as, the environment isn't as fun to be in when you're being coached by someone like that. So do you see that a lot with young coaches? Yeah, look, look and when I, I know when, you know when I first started coaching and started coaching, especially to, to you know, dot every I, cross every T, and 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 be over over complex in your explanations and in your detail. And the longer you, the longer well, the longer I've got on, um, I, I, the detail is all in in my head. But I don't need everybody doesn't need to know all that detail. Certainly the players don't. Uh, they don't need to know how much I know how much I don't. Make them better footballers and the team a better team. And make us successful. So they, if they believe in what I'm doing, then then I don't I don't need to sh- to show them how much I know. If if I'm asking them to turn up every day and work hard, I, I've got to make sure it's enjoyable. I've got to make sure there's a fun element on the field, but also there's a real fun element and a camaraderie off the field. And that's yeah, you know, like any good team would will will be will be striving to have that sort of environment. Yeah, I like what you said about not. Um, showing off sort of like your knowledge to everyone that like you don't have to prove to everyone that you sort of know everything just removing your ego well that, that that's that's yeah, I, I, I believe that's important and look at it again particularly at uh, the level of coaching at you know the, the players have an unbelievable knowledge themselves but because of because they, you know, they're in a thick of it they know what they're doing so the ability to to uh Use their intellect, use their their experience, use their understanding, use their ideas, and uh, for the betterment of the team and for the benefit of ourselves. So, uh, the capacity to be inclusive and and 
not think there's only one way, not think there's your only way. Be open-minded, but be organised. Like, like you, you, you've got to show people that, that you do know what you're doing and that you can make them better, but you've got to be you, – the more open-minded you are and, and the more open you are to, to ideas, particularly from, from quality players, then the better off you'll be. Yeah. Is that, would you say that's the thing that holds coaches back the most? Uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to say. Like I, I guess it may hold some coaches back. That um, and a lot, a lot depends on your own personality. Like in the early days, when I, I would have been a, a coach who who wanted to present the finished product and say, look, here it is. Let's just get to work now and do it. But but you know, all the books and all the everything that you read today in work, in any work environment tells you that people want to be involved in the process. They don't just want to be involved in in selling the end product. So, um, you know, I've, I've worked on, on changing the way I operate uh, over the course of my coaching career because it's, it, it, it's not about saying, you know, look, I've, here's the playbook, I've organised it all, everything's ready to go, let's just get there and do it. They want to be involved in the process, they want to be involved in, 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 in change or progression and I need to be uh, comfortable with involving them in that process. And, and that, that comes down to to making sure that you're evolving as a person and evolving as a coach because generational change is every you know, 10 or 15 years. So if, if you want to stay current, then, then you need to be uh, uh, working along with, with, with generational change. Mm. Has there ever been a time where you realised like you weren't being open-minded enough? Uh, not when I realised I weren't, but when I reflect back on my early years of coaching, uh, so I probably didn't recognise it at the time because, uh, you know, I was who I was and, and I, was, I was a detailed coach um, and, and I made sure that, that I'd thought about it, you know, hopefully thought about every contingency, uh, you know, b- before it happened. But on reflection, um, that, I, that I certainly didn't invite uh, in my early years of coaching, d- didn't invite enough um input from the players and and probably until until I went to Ireland and and uh, worked with your uh, quality people and quality players like Paul O'Connell and Ronan O'Gara and and there was a huge you know Alan Quinlan uh, Jerry Flannery that there was uh, the Munster team of of that era had wonderful players who had great great players with great intellect about the game and and you just had to open the door because because it was so easy for that to happen. So it was a great experience for me. And, and you know, like I finished there in 2011. So 11 years later, uh, it, it, I think it really put me on, on a really good uh, path of, of successful coaching from my experience there. Mm. How was that monster team different from what you'd seen before in terms of like the culture? Um. I really, I really felt that they they had a uh, a leadership team were Irish internationals at the time, so they had they had a really really experienced uh, team of players, but but they they really cared about about the the team and the club. Uh, I mean, I, I found Irish people superb like that 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 uh, very low levels of ego. And very high levels of uh, of wanting to get the best 
uh, out of themselves and the best out of the group. And, and, and again, feeling as though they had a huge responsibility to their families, to their community, to, uh, to perform well, to be seen to be doing their absolute best. And, 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 I, and I felt that potentially rugby here prior to that was a little bit insular, that oh, we'll, we'll do it for ourselves, we'll, we'll yeah, that, that, that we're, yeah, we're, playing, we're playing for ourselves, the team, but, but uh, it really is for something much greater, for family, for community, for your parish, for your country or, or your whatever it is. And I, I felt the Irish had a, a really good balance in, in why they played, uh, a, a distinct lack of ego, uh, and and then to that end, it was a it was an environment where where anybody felt comfortable to contribute. Yeah, that must be so hard to replicate. So, if you were going to go into a team which didn't have that, how would you go about making a strong culture? Yeah, look, it's enormously difficult, isn't it? That that, but but you can't just say, well, these are the cards I'm dealt, so there's nothing I can do. But but. Uh, it's, it, I mean, cultures are developed from within. So uh, I, I, in any environment, then you, you've, got to, you've got to actively value the things that, that, that you think are important. So um, making sure in, in how you, you conduct yourself with people that, 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 that ego is not, not a big part of it, that, that it's more about family and it's more about opportunity and it's more about sharing, it's more about making everybody better. Uh, if everybody gets the chance to get better as an individual, then, then, then team grows. So I don't, you can't come in right on a whiteboard and say, "Well, we're doing, you know, this and this and this is important." But you, you've got to, you've got to model the behaviours that you want. Uh, in the end, you've got to uh, recruit the behaviours that you want, uh, and, and you've got to make sure that the, the behaviours that you do want are the ones that you see every day, and you don't walk past. Uh, behaviours that, that aren't conducive to the environment that you want to develop. So, uh, so there, there's a range of things, but it's just got to it's got to nurture from within, uh, not not sort of sort of place it over the top of a group of people and say, well, this is who we are now. Yeah, it's quite hard to sort of change people, change the way people are. Would you say that? It's very difficult to change who we are. We we can tinker around the edges. And, and we all need to tinker around the edges, but 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 I mean, I'd have a fundamental belief that you are who you are. And look, I, I've got I've got habits, weaknesses that that, that I'm conscious of. That, that for years I tried changing. Sometimes you're successful, and then sometimes when you back up against the wall, you you revert to to who you are and the, and the habits that you've had. So it's very very hard to change. But but I think you need to be conscious of of. Uh, working to to change for good, uh, and and if you're conscious of it, then then I, I think in, in the right circumstances or at at times you'll make good decisions and you'll set good examples. Albeit you you're not going to be perfect, but uh, I'm not sure who is. Yeah, you've seen so many players grow up and change the way they play and the way they are. What stands out for you from players who do go far versus don't go far? Uh, it, it, it's a it's a good question, difficult question. Like, um, it, it all depends on at what stage of development, what stage of career that you you get to players at. That that 
I don't, well, I know when, I, when I first came in the Brumbies environment, you know, like you had guys like uh, uh, George Gregan and Stevie Larkham and Jay Roth, so, sort of uh, world's best players. Uh, and it was a similar time in 2008 when I went to Ireland. And you, and you've got you know, guys who've been playing professionally for eight, ten, or internationally for eight or ten years. So it, it's it's not it's not easy to change them. You don't necessarily want to change them. And I, I find that I guess what I did find is that the longer that a guy, that a person had been playing, generally, the the, the more they were comfortable with what they did, but they weren't necessarily comfortable in getting outside outside their current area of, of what they were good at. So, you could, you know, I mean, you get judged every day, you get judged on TV, you get judged uh, when you're out there performing. So I, I did, I found generally over, over my career that, that senior players are very good at doing what they're good at, but not easy to... Uh, make changes with because, because again, they, they, nobody wants to be ridiculed if you try something and it's unsuccessful. But I do find with with younger players, and you can obviously uh, you can mould them a little bit more and and, and send them down a, a, a what you believe is a, is a really good path of progression to make them better footballers. So, uh, yeah, my philosophy would be not to tinker with too much with senior players. Just trying. Get the best out of them, as opposed to say, "Oh, that's not good enough," or "You could do better here," or "You could change that." Offer suggestion, but but not get offended when 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 guys are happy with what they've got. I mean, it's it's about choice, and so then you you devote your energy to you know sometimes to next generation or to you know to what's coming through uh, to support those senior player groups. So I would say that you can't come in with a hard and fast rule and and. and it's not about changing everybody. It's not about saying it's my way, that everybody is an individual. And guys have been playing international rugby for 10 years. You can't treat them the same as a guy that's come out of the academy as a 20-year-old and into your squad and has got all the potential in the world. You, you can't treat them both the same. You've got to treat them well, but you treat them differently. Mm, yeah. It's interesting what you said about the senior players. Like They know, they know what they're good at. Was I think a lot of the time for younger players, it's kind of like just told like like back yourself, back yourself, back yourself, try everything. But I guess it's it's different when you mess up when you're like a younger player versus a senior player. Yeah, well, well, it is. I mean, there's there's a there's a greater allowance for for a young player to make errors, is it? I mean, that's expected. Whereas uh, senior players are, are supposed to be bulletproof and lead by example, do all the right things. So there, there's a natural there, there was. I, I, maybe it's not quite the same today, but certainly, I found there was a there was a natural conservatism uh, in in the in the more senior players that I've dealt with over time, uh, wanting to work, being comfortable working in in, in their skill set, which is obviously outstanding to get them where they were, but not necessarily wanting to work outside that. Mm. It's. I, I was talking to a player today, like a young guy, just been contracted for next year, and. And, and look, we had a good conversation, but and, and he needs to get better. He needs to get better. There needs to, you know, needs more physicality. But but what he actually needs is he needs to make sure that the point of difference that got him uh, a contract, he works on that point of, on those points of difference. So it's his power, his speed, his fend, his offload, uh, his capacity to 
to uh, make good decisions down edges in attack. So oftentimes you, uh, coaches get a young guy in and say, well, you've got to be a better tackler, you've got to be better at this, you've got to be better at something else. And they'll spend 80% of their time being trying to get really good at the things that they aren't fantastic at. Sometimes you've just got to be good enough in those areas, but make sure your point of difference is exceptional because that's what got you there in the first place. So, mm. so, so don't, don't blunt a player's point of difference because they need to be better in other areas. Chip away, chip away at being a better tackler, chip away at being harder over the ball, but make sure that we're taking forward your point of difference because that's what it get, that's what's going to get you to the top. Yeah, yeah. What else do you notice holds young players back? Um, I think it's. I mean, an environment can the environment can definitely hold players back. Like, like you you've got to have a training environment where where uh, you're allowed to make mistakes, and. Um, as long as you know, if, if if you can prove that you've prepped well, that that you're that you're working hard, that you do the work off the field, that you've done your homework, that you all those things, make mistakes. Look, get out there and make mistakes. Right? It'll it'll happen. And, and 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 so again, if I reflect back on 15 years ago, if there's a drop ball, you know, you'd blow the whistle, you'd restart, and off we go again. And you might be doing that 20 times in a training session. Yeah, now it's just play on. You have a second ball, you throw it out the back. There's a turnover. We play and we play and we play and we play, and and when and, and you're not demanding perfect technique, but then you're providing feedback down the track. You're not uh, you're not embarrassing uh, players uh, in front of the group. Yeah, you know, as long as they're working hard and and concentrating for, in in what they do. So I, I'd say it's really important that 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 uh, young players. Feel as though that they can make mistakes, that they um, that they can uh, try and push the envelope in developing their skills, and and then how you uh, how you then pick up uh, with each individual player about where you think they can improve, and and perhaps uh, re- reducing the error count eventually. Yeah, I like that. A lot, a lot of players, especially young players, really struggle with confidence. Yeah. How would you go about dealing with that? Well, I, I think I think confidence and, and look, there can be a whole. I guess there's many reasons why why people aren't confident. I, I know myself that I'm confident if I know I've done the work. So if if I if I know, let's say I get to Saturday, if I know, if I can satisfy myself that I've analysed the opposition, that I've run quality training sessions. I've looked at training. I've given players feedback, so I, I've, I've given the team and each individual the absolute best opportunity to perform and win on any given weekend. Then I'm confident. I'm satisfied. I'm confident. We might win. We might lose. Right? And, and, and but I, I won't judge myself by the loss. I'll judge myself by what I've done during the week and 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 against yeah you know, my markers of personal preparation. And I just think I think. Uh, a player, players should be doing that as well. So have I, have I prepared as best I can? I, I will get confidence from good preparation. So if, if I turn up to training and I, and I know the calls, uh, I, I, I know, uh, I know the the language that the coach is using, and, and and I can put that into practice in any in any given drill. I know that I've had a good breakfast, uh, 
and then I'll give myself time to digest that so I can turn up to training and 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 be in the best physical state. I'll know that I've done some recovery after training. Uh, if I've got to saw this or saw that, I've gone to see the physio. So I've been kind to myself. So I, I, I've, I've worked hard in the weights room, so I feel physically good. So take responsibility for yourself. If you take responsibility for yourself, then, I, then you'll be confident. You won't always win. You won't catch every ball. You won't make every tackle in those things. But I've prepared well. I've been diligent uh, in, in, in all the areas uh, that will help to make me a better player. If I've got di- diligence, will uh, will grow confidence. Do you find that for yourself as well? Very much so. Very much so. That uh, uh, I mean, I, you know, I can recall days uh, on reflection when, when not that you haven't taken shortcuts, but but you might have said, ah, look, you know, like I just. I'll, I'll leave that go this week or I've, I've, I've let something go at training and, and it bites you on the bum on the weekend. So like you, you can't do everything, but you, you've got to know what your big rocks are. You've got to know what's important. You've got to know what you think will, 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 will win a game on the weekend. And, you, and you've, got to, you've got to be very good at selling that message to the players. So, um, the, 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 so it, it's not so much... Yeah, there's the detail component to it, but there's also the messaging component to it. So yeah, the the, de- the details that, that I've got to do in my own time, but how I send a message, how I give players confidence, how I give players uh, a feeling that this is important, right? Oh, and you know, there's 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 the bit of showman in that, in in how you're presenting your videos and how you're using your voice and uh, all those sorts of things that 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 show that, yes, this is important, maybe that's not as important, et cetera, et cetera. So you just got to put yourself out there. And to put yourself out there, you've got to be well prepared. Mm. How much How much work do you actually get through in a week when it's the middle of the season? Um, well, like, like generally, like let's say we play on a Saturday night, so I, I'd, I'd uh, generally uh, watch the game twice on a Sunday morning get my clips together, we'd meet as coaches later on the Sunday afternoon, we'd spend two hours, we'd watch the game together, we'd uh, we'd have our, all our review and uh, and clips that we're going to show the next morning when the, play, when the players come in. So, yeah, that's probably you know, five hours on, on your Sunday. Then then Monday, Monday morning, uh, generally, I, if I'm coaching defence, I've got a, a group of four or five players who again watch the game together, they'll bring some clips uh, we'll talk about what we did well, what we need to do better. That'll, that'll run into uh, into unit meetings, into team meetings, uh, where we review, and then and then we're into into preparation for the next week's opposition. Then you know you're, you're, you're planning your training for Tuesday. You're through Tuesday, uh, Monday afternoon to Tuesday. You, uh, every player will cycle through and get individual feedback. They'll have cut their own clips. I'll have some clips for them. Train Tuesday, we have Wednesday off. So on Wednesday, I'm looking at next week's uh, opposition. I'm also getting, uh, analysing Tuesday's training to see, again, what was, you know, what clips I might show on Thursday, getting different aspects of set piece stuff ready for Thursday's meeting, scrum defence, et cetera, et cetera. We'll train Thursday. Uh, coaches will meet on Thursday afternoon and, and talk about next week's opposition, Friday captain's run. Uh, again, you're, you're talking to players, getting heads in the right place, 
all those sorts of things. So it's, there's an el- there's a, there's an element of a strong amount of time that you spend on the computer. But then I, I'd say again, something I've learnt over time is you got to get your head out of your computer and you got to go and talk to people. So you got to go down to the gym and you got to put your arm around a player and and uh, and you got you've got to have conversations and some of them are, uh, they they can be honest conversations about what needs to be done better or they could be conversations about family but but interaction becomes important and and again as a as a younger coach audition but I spend so much more time now uh, uh, talking to players just you know wandering through the gym wandering through the team room uh, having a coffee downstairs with them and just uh, interacting communicating uh, listening talking and trying you know trying to to, to to if we lose it's to pick a side up and, and, and generate belief into the next weekend. So uh, and that's that's one of the beauties of, of, of that environment. Like you're just interacting with the people, you know, trying to provide a bit of advice, you've got open ears. So that's you know, the week just rolls like that. So there's things that have to be done in certain timelines. But but more importantly is is that you've got to be out out in and out and amongst people. Uh, messaging and, and and I guess feeling the pulse of the team. That's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah look, it, it, it's it's yeah, it's a busy week, but it's it's fun. Like it's it's about what yeah. I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else now. Like it it is. It's 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 a lot. It's a lot of hours. I mean, you know, I'll sit at home at night. You know, with the computer on my lap, watch TV. You know, you, you clip some you know, plenty of clips and. Well, you might you might have twenty clips and you'll show you'll show two the next day, but you, again you've got to be thorough, but don't be ridiculous. I mean, focus on yourself, focus on ourselves. Again, years ago I, I would have been sixty percent look at the opposition, forty percent look at us, and and now I'd be eighty percent looking at what we do and twenty percent looking at what the opposition does and, and spending our time that way. So, and and then selling that that confidence that if we do what we do well. We'll get we'll get the result that we want, irrespective of what the opposition does. We don't know what they're going to do against us, so why spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about what they'll do when we've got we just need to put good systems in place that 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 cover us for eighty percent of, of of what we do in attack and defence, and then go out and play and take opportunities and stuff out opportunities, do what we do, have confidence in our own game, self belief. And, and, and you won't grow self-belief by looking at how good the opposition are. You only grow self-belief by looking at how good you are and the good yeah. things that you do. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what trends are you seeing in rugby right now and where do you think things are headed next year and heading into like the next sort of three, four years? Yeah, look, look I, I still think at this point in time, uh, defense, defense, and kicking games are on top, and there's some outliers. You know, like you look at a side like Quinns, who who are a wonderful attacking team. Um, but generally, I look. If I look at a game statistically, I, I, I look generally the side that kicks the most wins the games. Um, you know, the oftentimes the team that I know when we looked at Super Rugby years ago that the team that had the least rucks. So a team that had the least possession, made the most tackles and kicked the most, you know, were winning 72% of games. You know, that was back oh. in, say, 2013. So so you didn't want, you know, 
you didn't want it's not a bad possession and there are so many games every week where, where and there's there's outliers I know but but sides win with less possession and more kicking now let's say the Irish side would be uh, an outlier to that that they're very much a possession team and they're fantastic at maintaining possession and and uh, chipping away at territory and taking their points but but they're the exception rather rather than the rule now will will the game go that way like if Ireland win the World Cup in 2023 the, the then people become the people teams become more possession based teams uh, mm. possibly but at, but at the moment kicking game kick chase choke defend uh, is where the games won so consequently the two ends of the field are where the games are won like a zone completion and and denying opposition completion in your D zone and and we spend a lot of time looking you know, the, 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 you know, we, we had a, you know, as part of our, our key performance indicators, you know, we want to be the best, we want to have the best A-zone attacking percentage of, of entries to points scored, and we obviously want to have the, the best D-zone defence, so entries to, to points not con- not conceded. And, yeah. and between, the, between, between the 22s, you know, we'll play a bit of footy, but again, stats would show that in the team that I coach, that, that, that once we played to seven phases, that we're an 80% chance of turning the ball over uh, in the next two phases. So, you know, we're not going to play eight, nine, 10, 12 phases in, in, in the C and, and into the B zone. We're going to have a crack for four or five phases. If we've got no love, we're going to put the ball in behind and put pressure on. And, and, and that's where you, and that's, I, I still believe that's where the reward is for most teams at the moment. So uh, again, I, you know, I still think there's a, you know, the, the, some of the reward for opposition team, for, for the defensive team around breakdown is too great. So the incentive to play out of your half is diminished because there's the, the reward is too much for the defensive side who can, who can poach or, or drive you off the ball. You know, there's been changes around clean-out laws that make it even more difficult to shift players and take an angle to get them off your ball. So there's a whole lot of things that, that, that discourage you from playing rugby in in your half, you know, fifty twenty twos. Let's you know, let's kick the ball. Let's kick the ball down there. So, I still think the game the game will constantly evolve. At the moment, again, it's it's defence and kicking is is uh, Trump's attack for the most part. Yeah. Um, quick last one. You know a lot about defence. I'm interested to hear like what makes someone world class at jackling, in your opinion. That maybe people haven't heard before. Um, yeah, look again. They're, they're all they're all different. I, I I believe the single most important thing is game sense. Uh, so te- technical vary, but just having a game sense, just sensing opportunity, being able to read where you are on the field, what's happening with that carry, who's making the tackle. Is it a low tackler? You know, so understanding your teammates and really having that game sense that you know that opportunity is going to be there. And 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 from there, you know, there's, you know, I, I talk about three things. I talk I talk about race, space, and base. So you got to win the race in, you got to own the space over the ball, and you've got to get a strong base, so you don't get shifted easy. And uh, so I, I, you know, I've got a range of drills, but I coach race, space, base. But but then I. I, I believe the guys that do it best are the guys that that uh, that travel on instinct. And, and George Smith 
uh, is your absolute was your world leader and you're still, I think, world's best. Yeah, there's plenty of good jacklers and whether you talk about your Warburton's or your McCaws or Malcolm Ux or, yeah, there's so many good guys that are hard over the ball, but in terms of a guy that operated on instinct and would just strike uh, with wonderful timing always at the right moment. So uh, it's hard to train that instinct. But again, it's 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 a, a lot of sometimes it's time on the computer. It's understanding opportunity, and you can teach players that. Teach players to understand who you're defending inside, who you're defending outside. Can you drop in behind the line? Uh, how's that person going to carry? You know, do they tuck? Have they got an offload in their game. And the more you know about those things, then 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 you let your instincts take over.